0: Welcome to the Ghost to Ghost podcast, my name is Kyle and I'm Misha and today we're going to be talking about the official start of the Call of Duty League as well as Christian Stewart's film Underwater. Um, But before we get into that, we want to touch on a subject that has heavily affected both Kyle and I and you know, basically everyone across the country and even the entire world with the the passing tragically of one of our idols, Kobe Bryant. Um, so, I mean, I would not expect anyone to have not heard the news by now, but obviously yesterday we received the really, really tragic news um, that Kobe Bryant and his daughter, Gianna, as well as seven other passengers, including the pilot, um, died in a helicopter crash in Calabasas, California, on the way to Kobe, his daughter, one of his daughter's basketball tournaments. Um, and so we wanted to talk a bit about this. You know, we're not really a sports heavy podcast, but Kobe Bryant was one of those people who really transcended sports. Um, and his sort of mamba mentality and his veracity that he approached life with was, I think, something that was universally understood. Um, and was something that endeared him to a lot of people and you know kobe brought out a lot of emotions of people whether that was the love of laker fans or you know just kobe fans in general or the hate of rival fans or just you know he he was such a transformative figure and we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about it today um but how how did the whole the thing this thing affect you kyle
1: yeah so i Yesterday, I was actually driving back home to Richmond from my parents' house. Mm-hmm. It was about a two-hour ride, and I actually um, found out it about it first from Matt, one of our friends. We have a group chat, and he and he posted the, an article, a TMZ article, about it and, and asville's real or not. Because we we've seen like these celebrity hoax deaths mm-hmm. in the past, and it's it's easy for the modern era of media to get things wrong. It yeah. seems like the main focus of a lot of media sources is not to... It's just who can get the story out there the fastest, yeah. and they kind of don't really care about the facts all the time. And then that gets spun and spun on, on Twitter and on Facebook and all these different ways. And, and it's unfortunate because um, things like that that are misstrewed or inaccurate can really have a negative effect on people. Um, yeah, that I mean, that was the thing
0: that kind of outraged me once it was confirmed that it was Kobe, was just kind of the irresponsibility of these news outlets to, you know, so it came out that TMZ reported the news of him and Gianna's death before Vanessa Bryant, his wife, was even made aware, which is like kind of taboo in this like news industry. Um, But even so, like scrolling through Twitter, you know, you have a bunch of these like wannabe Twitter reporters reporting that his entire family was on the helicopter or that like Rick Fox was on the helicopter. I really don't know where all that speculation came from, but it just seemed like people wanting to capitalize on this like tragedy to make a name for themselves. So there was really the ugly side of it. But yeah, I I mean, I was I was playing (laughs) Counter-Strike actually when the news broke and i noticed mm-hmm. it in the like the the chat at basically somebody's rip kobe or something like that and i thought it was you know people put all manner of things right. in csgo game chats um so i was like there's no way and uh i was fortunate enough to have like friendly teammates who were kind of very conversational about it and were also i could tell we're obviously basketball fans that we were all pretty like distraught um and then when the game ended <laughs> you know turn on the tv and of course I see Kobe's face with like the year he was born in 2020 and these like photos of him and man like I, I really don't know that I've ever experienced a celebrity death let alone like an athlete's death of this magnitude maybe besides like Michael Jackson that was one of those deaths where I like remember where I was at the time but this just felt like something else
1: yeah and like I said, I was in the car, so I had a lot of, um, like, I pretty much just sat for, like, two hours driving home, just, like, yeah, thinking if it was real or, like, all this stuff and doing a lot more, I, being on my phone while driving a lot more than I should have, <laughs> just, like, seeing, like, the yeah. updates and if this is real. And, and then when, like, it was real, like you said, it was just kind of, this is the first time for me um to have someone that I actually felt close to as a celebrity that, mm-hmm. w- that was dying and both of us being basketball fans and big NBA fans um we pretty much grew up with you know like Kobe being one of the greatest players that were ac- that was actively playing
0: yeah yeah I mean I think we kind of bridged the gap between Kobe kind of passed the baton off to LeBron at some point in the league, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean, for me, getting started in basketball around, like, 2003, 2004, like, like, he spawned an entire generation of yelling Kobe as they threw, like, crushed up paper balls into trash cans or even just on the court, like, playing pickup, Mm -hmm. you know, like, he, he kind of defined our generation's game. You know, we were too, too young to really understand MJ Um, and, and like kind of before this like three, three point shooting craze. And, you know, you just see so many memorable moments that made Kobe this legend who he was, whether it was, you know, winning those first titles with Shaq um, and then having to kind of build up the Lakers again, once Shaq left Um, the 81 point game against the Raptors, um, Mm -hmm. you know, his 60 point send off. Uh, in the final season, final game of his career. Um, it was really, like, at first, I really did not want to believe it. It's it's weird. For someone that, like, I didn't know, first of all, and was never, like, I was never a huge Lakers fan, but I respected Kobe. And I just, like, was denying every report. I was like, they, like how do they know? They, they've got to, ha- like, have it wrong. Like, I'm just waiting for the news that it's not Kobe. And, like, to be honest, even today, I, I've kind of felt like that. Like, I'm still waiting for someone to like pull the wool, like the the veil over my eyes, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, for me, being being such a big Celtics fan, um, yeah. one of the strongest rivalries in, in any sports is Lakers and Celtics. So mm-hmm. for me, I've always grouped Kobe Bryant and Derek Jeter together. Um, those are like <laughs> being the a players, Red Sox fan yeah, as well. Yeah, it's so like those are the players that we as Boston fans, like, bitterly hate. <laughs> right. Um, but, of course, like, cannot help but respect. Like, they play the game the right way. They're super passionate, professional. Totally. Um, a lot of pride in their game. And, and like, said, like
0: the, in, the intensity, I think, is something that marked Kobe a lot
1: as well. Yeah, and as you said, they became, like, these generational icons of each of their respective sports. And, you know, Kobe has this Mamba mentality that he kind of Mm -hmm. trademarked into the game and through life. And, um, they, they respected the game, their craft, and and definitely like with, with Boston, I remember, um, that they played each other in the 2008 finals.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, and I was so happy that the Celtics beat not even beat the Lakers, but they beat Kobe. Yeah. Because in my mind, Paul Pierce deserved it way more than Kobe did. I mean he already had like three rings at the time. Yep. Um but then again he he ended up getting his revenge and um ultimately his fifth ring in twenty ten. Um when he when um we lost game seven to the Lakers again. But um like I said it's it's interesting and like I said it's it's a weird relationship that we have with celebrities and even as, mm-hmm. as sports um, icons and at the end of the day it's like yes I disliked the Lakers and I couldn't stand Kobe when he would beat the beat the Celtics but like when he <laughs> like when he retired like the game missed Kobe and at and at the end of the day we kind of separate from our teams like we're nba fans we're not just celtics and sixers fans and laker fans and
0: yeah um, and and, you know i I think one of the craziest things to me is seeing the reaction out of nba players and not just the nba players like dwayne wade or lebron or these seasoned veterans that have kind of defined our generation's game mm -hmm. But young players like Devin Booker, or even in the college game, like there was a viral video of Cassius Winston, Michigan State finding out and just being totally awestruck. And those are kids that are like 18, 19, 20 years old. And I mean, that's not far removed from us, but that's still enough time that maybe you don't necessarily remember the greatness of Kobe, but he had that effect on those players, you know? Right. Um,
1: how did and you feel when. Um... I mean it's it's a hard decision I'm sure but after mm-hmm. this broke um there was still like six or five five I don't remember how many but there was people still played. there was NBA yeah. games that same night last night uh, but it's hard to say I mean, it's it's hard games canceled because you know people pay money for tickets and you have exactly everything else that kind of goes into it but
0: yeah I, I think talk. it's hard to like logistics wise and just like economics to cancel a game same day. Um, and some, I mean, this, this occurred for some like half an hour before tip off. Right. Um, but when you see the likes of like Tyson Chandler, absolutely. Just like broken on the bench. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Oh man. I'm getting chills right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was really tough. And, and I mean, we talked so much about Kobe and Gianna um his daughter but there was you know entire family that was lost on that that helicopter one of gianna's teammates um her mom and dad who the dad was also like a community college baseball coach very well respected um i think three others potentially i, f- I forget the total amount but i mean yeah. this this would be a tragedy in making national headlines even if it wasn't you know involving Kobe bryant and i think that's why there was just so much gravity, mm-hmm. but is there like a is there like a Kobe moment that sticks out to you from his career? Um, Something that had like a really strong impression on you.
1: Besides the ones that I mentioned with the Celtics and, and the finals yeah. and and that, um, again, it's I I never really got to watch him a lot live because growing up on the East coast, I didn't really see a lot of the West coast games. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, it's funny because, but you still know, who, like you said, you know, who Kobe <laughs> yeah. Bryant is, um, us growing up playing basketball. We, we practiced the moves that he does. We watched his like mm-hmm. the highlights on ESPN. Um, but for me, um, one of the, the stronger Kobe moments, um, hmm. I mean, eighty-one points is super impressive.
0: Yeah, because like the hundred, there are people that debate whether Wilt Chamberlain actually scored hundred points in that game.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and for Kobe to do it in a modern NBA that's bigger, faster, stronger. Well, yeah, it was just super impressive. Um, I think for me, because like I said, I was never like a huge Lakers fan, and mm-hmm. obviously you like respect Kobe. But if you remember his like final two years in the NBA, he was like really battling that Achilles injury, mm-hmm. um, and the Lakers didn't really have a lot of weapons around him. It was kind of post Steve Nash and Dwight Howard experiment, um, and you kind of knew Kobe was on his farewell tour, and it seemed that the Lakers were like good and well enough alone to just, you know, kind of let him do his thing and like put up shoot 40 times a game and put up 20 to 30 a game say his goodbyes to the league and like me being a little cynical i was kind of like all right like they're really gonna throw an entire season down the drain just to you know have this kind of farewell tour and uh it was my senior year of school i was you know working in a bar in a sports bar and obviously it's kobe's last game comes around and you have have all these fans coming out to the bar to watch, you know, dressed in their Lakers gear, Um, you know, everybody like ready to kind of for this send off for Kobe. And I don't remember know if you remember the way that game went down against the Jazz, but the first half, it was kind of, it looked like more par for the course of Kobe's last two years, you know, just kind of like missing shots, Mm -hmm. um, trying to take the game over and not really getting it done. And it was crazy because, you know, I'm walking around watching the people, and so many Kobe fans just looking, like, dejected and, like, you know, this isn't how we want to see this legend, our hero, go out and say his final goodbye. And then they come out of halftime, and and you know the story now, obviously, you know, just put the team on his back, making clutch shot after clutch shot, um, mm-hmm. scoring 60 points in his final game in this comeback way, and in the Staples Center in front of all the LA greats and, you know, the celebrities you see at every Lakers game. Ah, man, that, that was like the Kobe moment to me. That just like, I still think of and get chills to this day. And like, there were people crying in that bar. Like, it sounds silly, like for grown men and women to be shedding tears, some like athlete, but it's like I was saying, like he just transcended sports. but you know you kind of you kind of look forward to like another 40 50 years of kobe you know whether you know commentating or sitting in the stands at like ggs w games like mm-hmm. uh, just tears your heart out
1: and i remember also when he um he won an oscar for best short best yeah. animated short in uh, 2018 yeah that's right Um, for a film called Dear Basketball, which he actually wrote and narrated. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was based off of a a poem that he wrote for the Players' Tribune um, a few years before that. But pretty much just Mm -hmm. like how much he loved the game and why he chose to retire from it. And it's just uh, a very touching moment. And um, it's going to be sad moving forward. And basketball certainly won't be the same and i think i saw something about teams retiring the number 24 yeah maybe in the whole nba retiring um number 24 yeah i believe um
0: so mark cuban already officially announced that uh, 24 is going to be retired for the mavericks oh wow um but we'll see because you know i think mark cuban really respected Kobe and of course had his fair share of losses with his team to Kobe Bryant in, you know, playoff games. Um, But yeah, the the sport will definitely miss Kobe. Um, And I think everybody will remember where they were the day that Kobe Bryant died. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now it it feels a little weird (laughs) moving on and talking about, um, you know, some stuff we'd normally be talking about on the show, but uh, of course, um, you know, moving on is part of, you know, death and and we'll, we'll move on, um, to talk, talk about the start and the premiere of the call of duty league. Uh, so Kyle, I think you were able to catch more of cod league than I was, but, uh, do you want to maybe give your thoughts on opening weekend?
1: Yeah. And <clears throat> I won't go too much into the details for maybe those who, um, don't really care as much as others but pretty much (laughs) this is the inaugural season for the newly formed cod league and before it was more of like a tournament-based structure where you had different organizations that were owned by just um they were either formed by former players or invested Mm -hmm. by like a bunch of rich dudes which i guess they still kind of are today um but this is moved into a franchise mode so the way that we we talk about the NBA, the way that we talk about the NFL and and baseball and and all these major league sports, this is the direction that eSports is going. So we have teams that are represented from Dallas, from Chicago, uh, from Toronto, from London, from L.A. So we're getting away from just a bunch of guys setting up computers and Xboxes in their – in their basements or like in their living rooms, yeah. And we're getting into like these big market professional scenes that is really changing the game, um, no pun intended, but we have, <laughs> this is the second franchised eSports league that has happened. The first one was Overwatch, and even to, even to this day, Overwatch is being played on TBS. It's They have highlights yeah. on ESPN. Like if you've never really been into gaming, that's fine. If you still think that gaming is for like a bunch of nerdy, like kids, like that might be, this might be the time to kind of step away from that and really understand this as the next generation of, of professional talent.
0: Yeah. You kind of re-examine uh, your assumptions and your priorities when you see, you know, big time investors investing in esports. Um, and even, you know, sports franchises. So sports clubs like Manchester United and in Europe, you know, these clubs that have multiple sports under them are even investing in esports. So I think this is kind of a continuation of that that transition to a more, more legitimate, like you said, franchise-based uh, competition. And, you know, from a business and economics perspective, uh, you know, it's already attracted the kind of attention and allure of, you know, the information technology giant um with youtube gaming being kind of the distribution partner for being able to watch these types of live uh esports events
1: yeah and so the season is made up of 13 uh regular season events or or weekends i guess you can call them and it's pretty much where each team kind of hosts these events so this opening weekend this launch weekend was in minnesota um, the minnesota uh rockers it's not like rock and roll rockers it's r-o-k-k-r <laughs> i think it's like a viking yeah it's like viking. nordic yeah um <clears throat> they hosted the launch weekend um it went fairly well i would say from a coverage standpoint they're trying out some new things with broadcasting and and in-game tools that can be used by broadcasters and some of those didn't really land that well. Uh, yeah. Um but the weekend overall, um I think everything was, was sold out. I think there was a big merch um collection, the big profits from from selling merch for this Cod League and um I watched a lot of matches on on Saturday and then I watched some of the the final matches on Sunday. And, and I'm just sitting on my couch watching it on TV. And it's just like, I'm watching to watching me like Sunday, yeah, Sunday, Sunday football, Sunday football. <laughs> um, so what, what <laughs> match did you get a chance to see?
0: Um, I really only saw highlights.
1: Um, I saw a lot of, you
0: know, talking, uh, which is kind of par for competitive call of duty. um, but I think that the biggest surprises to me were optic gaming's kind of poor performance, poor showing, you know, optic has kind of always been synonymous um, with success when it comes to this competitive scene. Um, and ultimately it ended up going on two on the weekend. Um, you know, I think I was also surprised by Dallas empire's showing, um, you know, I think M 601 six kind of uh, adds some legitimacy to that team and, they had their struggle um throughout the weekend which they they kind of blamed on uh infinity wards patch that occurred two days before the event i think that's something that a lot of uh players were a little bit upset by but i think you know talking about kobe recently he'd tell you that sounds just like an excuse you know if you're a gamer you come to game yeah, um, there's no refs to blame you can only blame yeah, the game exactly um but yeah i mean i, I just think it was cool It's. Been, and it's been a couple years since we've seen some really legitimate like professional call of duty mm-hmm. um i thought that the decision to have it in minnesota was interesting i'm not really sure what played into that given some of the the cities that these franchises are based in um and then some, some interesting decisions in terms of like the game modes like it's been a while since we've seen domination in a competitive format um you know it's you know kind of a departure from the standard competitive fair but uh overall like i mean again just happy to see like competitive
1: call of duty being played again yeah exactly and and next week i think it's actually going to be in london um because that's, that's got to be hard for any you know team to travel as we know with with regular sports um yeah unfortunately that's just the nature of of this league where the london and the paris team are going to have to travel to the united states definitely more times than they're going to be at home
0: yeah that's like a hurdle we don't typically see from like a, you know the most maybe is like someone going to visit the toronto raptors in the nba Mm -hmm. but we definitely don't see people you know make a big deal of it when nfl teams go to play in in europe uh so i'm sure these these gamers are going to be you you have to kind of consider what jet lag is going to do um you know what sort of effects it's going to have in terms of the competitive gaming scene but because um, that is not too easy to recover from.
1: No, no, I don't. I don't think so. And and these players, they play probably eight to ten hours a day, anyway. As it is, yeah, already sleep deprived, <laughs> right? Um, and I I think not on this show, on a previous show, we kind of talked about um how in some of the gaming environments, there's a lot of use of Mm-hmm. Like stimulus, so like Adderall, um, and some other things, and it'll be interesting to see that this is since this is becoming such a big league and um a little bit more serious than what it has been in the past. If if we see rules mm-hmm. like that kind of come into play of like drug testing and and stuff like that, sure. Um, but so yeah. after opening weekend,
0: are is there a team that stands out in your mind as kind of the team to beat or someone kind of standing atop?
1: Uh, the hill of franchises so you mentioned the poor performance that optic gaming gave and and it's this optic gaming in la is not the optic gaming that you might yeah. you might know if you have been following call of duty or um it's it's pretty much this the team got bought out unfortunately and and the owner had to had to leave And they kind of, the team that bought them or the the organization that bought them out kind of just used the same name because that's like a household name (laughs) in the world of esports. So that's unfortunate for them. But um, for me, being such a strong Optic Gaming fan, original Optic Gaming fan, um, I've kind of leaned towards the Chicago Huntsman. Yeah, Um, The former owner, um, his name's Hector, he... He moved to NRG which is the company that owns um, the Chicago Huntsman they also own the San Francisco Shock and the Overwatch League mm-hmm. um, and they have um, two former optic gaming players but so they're really strong so the top two teams of the weekend is the Chicago Huntsman and the Atlanta phase um, those yeah. were pretty much the front runners going into the series into the league. I know Dallas. Was highly regarded with with car, uh, with um, Crimsix and with Clayster, two uh, champions of their own, but they have a few younger players in their team, so I'm not sure how they're going to hold up. But um, Atlanta Faze, Chicago Huntsmen are definitely the the top two teams right now. Yeah, and
0: so you actually kind of you touched on that transition uh, of Hex and a few optic players to so the Chicago Huntsmen. They actually got almost you know probably an intentionally matched um like matchup the chicago huntsman actually swept the newly formed optic gaming uh three to zero in the last day of opening weekend um but yeah so one thing that stood out to me was the paris legion i think it is Mm -hmm. um so they actually start they've started their season two and oh as well um so obviously chicago huntsman were turning heads and Atlanta phase returning heads, but you know Paris Legion's right up there at two and zero, and there were actually some power rankings that were released before the season started, which, you know, being the inaugural uh, season of the league, you're going to have some misses when it comes to the power rankings. But I believe that Paris Legion was ranked like dead last, if not, wow, if not like you know, somewhere around that that area. Um, so it will be interesting to see how the power rankings are adjusted. Um, and you gotta love power rankings. It's like this ever kind of touted <laughs> tool used in every sport
1: to just kind of drum up conversation and get people talking. Right. And, and the way that the, the tournament format kind of works each weekend is there is a point s- system. Um, mm-hmm. So each, each victory a team gets at these tournaments will be worth 10 points uh, with an additional 10 points going to the overall winner. Um, So that pretty much means that a team can earn up to 50 points by winning an event, because usually you you play three to four, sometimes five matches, because you kind of want to play everyone if you can. Um, So, yeah, we saw Paris, Atlanta, Chicago, and then Minnesota. Those four teams are the ones that came in undefeated, and we mentioned dallas earlier they're actually tied for last place with the new york subliners a ridiculous name for a team
0: (laughs) yeah some some teams did better than others in terms of their branding um for sure but yeah an exciting start to um call of duty league and group group play will continue february 8th in london so the london royal ravens will be hosting um and so that's going to have some implications on you know when you can view matches in the US especially on the west coast i think for me the first match will kick off at 3:30 a.m. so it's a little ambitious for me given when i like to wake up but uh yeah february 8th is when uh, the next round of play will start up
1: you can catch some of the the later games with your morning coffee <laughs> yeah. exactly on weekends so i guess you you'll see but going on from the, um, the Call of Duty World League, I just wanted to quickly touch base on... Um, we know you guys love movies, and you love hearing us talk about movies, so we don't want to leave anything out in that world. So I saw um, Underwater a few weeks ago, actually, when it came out. And to me, this this movie was okay. It's it's a sci-fi thriller. Um it's supposed to be intense. It's supposed to be <laughs> supposed to be. Yeah. It's supposed to be intense. It's like they're trying to get into this intimate, close up thriller aspect and um it doesn't like close in terms of space, like uh like the camera's always in someone's face. Yeah, okay. I see what you're saying. Um And for me it didn't really land that well. I think I think this is a good movie that if you want to go to the theater, get a couple jump scares, I think this would be great for you. Um mm-hmm. this is certainly not a thriller or a movie that um I would like make a big deal about and have like oh let's watch <laughs> underwater like if yeah. I have people over. Like this is this is going to go probably to Netflix um within like the first week of its release because Netflix in the kinda, recesses of your memory. <laughs> yeah, Netflix kind of has like that reputation of picking up kind of these lower budget films, but um, yeah. The big th- the big so, s- yeah, sorry.
0: Sorry. So so I haven't gotten the chance to see it yet. Um, and based off of this glowing review so far, I don't know that I will. <laughs> um, but my my like impression from the tra- trailers was like that I almost didn't need to go see the movie because they were seemed to reveal so much in the trailer. Is that True or was there more kind of behind the film and like maybe like a twist or
1: like um, how so the only the only twist or the only reveal in the movie is like the monsters that are living in mm-hmm. this deep sea area um, and that seemed pretty evident from the trailers I was like okay like I, I don't feel like I have to go see this now right and it was kind of so when I first saw the trailer, I thought it was going to be another Alien spin off movie. Yeah. Um, and they kind of pull from that a lot with, like, the way it was shot, and you don't really get to see what the alien looks like hmm. until, like, the very end or until it, like, kills someone. Um, and I'm not a huge Kristen Stewart fan. <laughs> yeah. Um, so her draw, I know a lot of people wanted to go see this because she kind of just had this um, – I would say it's kind of a pretty successful year. I guess she was in Charlie's angels and she's was on SNL and she's kind of coming back from her awkward Bella Swan like phase. Twilight, Twilight yeah. days. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, don't judge me for knowing her Twilight character's name. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do, I do really like um, TJ Miller. I think he's funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it seemed like it had very like archetypal characters in it and he was one of them. Very much so. And I would say that this movie definitely doesn't drag. Within 5 minutes you're pretty much everything's breaking down. It's it's the trailer. So you've seen the trailer yeah. where the the walls explode. That pretty much happens within 5 minutes and you're kind of thrown into like this um anxiety-induced world of deep sea I guess terror, you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and, and I think as, as any horror fan knows that often what's in your imagination, I think is far more scarier than anything that can kind of be crafted by someone else. So going back to like when they do like reveal the sea monsters, um, it, it turned out to me that it kind of, Became far more like Pacific Rim.
0: If sure. you saw that,
1: than, than like Alien itself. Um,
0: Except Pacific Rim was good. Yeah, <laughs> especially <laughs> as like much of
1: the second and third act take place in the ocean itself, which yeah, it it often looks more like cutscenes from like a video game that I'm playing. Sure, And more of like this big budget Hollywood film. Um, if that was. What the directors were going for, I don't know if that was the best option, um, but it, it didn't really play out with the the sets and the costumes were weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that's not to say you won't enjoy watching underwater. Um, I think Kristen Stewart is pretty engaging. Um, she kind of does play like a pretty badass like action lead um tj miller is funny as always his jokes may not be like the most appropriate for like a horror film It kind of (laughs) like breaks the tension which it didn't really need to be broken yeah um yeah i feel
0: like he's pretty like one-dimensional in terms of the characters he plays but he's kind of a welcome addition to something like an underwater i feel
1: yeah so if you want a popcorn sci-fi flick that you know might make you jump has like funny like performances and um just kind of enjoying being in the movie theater for an hour and a half then um, i think it'll be fun it's a fun film overall and if you had to have a
0: toss-up between underwater and another movie i know you saw recently so underwater
1: and like a boss which one are you choosing <laughs> <laughs> so yeah if you don't know by now pretty much myself Misha we we see most movies that are in theaters we we like the movies which is why we go, we do this podcast and mm-hmm. and we talk about all these great movies all the time but you don't really understand great movies unless you've seen the really shitty ones yeah uh, <laughs> absolutely um, you have to have something to anchor <laughs> off of right yes so i definitely i would prefer and i enjoyed watching underwater more than I liked like a boss. Okay. I thought Like a Boss was gonna have a little bit more to it, like Hustlers did. When I saw Hustlers, I was not excited and that movie turned out to be phenomenal. Um but Like a Boss it, it's funny at some points, but you know, I could have I could have done without it. We're underwater. Sure. I actually enjoyed the jumps and 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 the thrill of it.
0: Yeah. Oh, you know uh you know, another movie I saw recently on the airplane, actually, was Ready or Not. Have you ever seen Ready or Not? Is that the
1: the tag one? The tag one? No. What's the one oh, where they're, like, playing tag? No, that, that one's actually called Tag. I think mean, it's just called oh. Tag. Oh, well, that makes sense. <laughs> very,
0: very original. Um, no, yeah. so Ready or Not, it actually reminded me a bit of Knives Out. Mm-hmm. It's about this girl who marries into this rich um Family of a magnate who started like a board gaming empire. Mm -hmm. Um, and she's getting like these kind of weird vibes from the family on her wedding night. And her husband tells her about this like tradition they have where they play a board game uh every night or on the wedding night, like at midnight. And it turns out that they end up like playing this game where if you draw this card that says like hide and seek the family hunts the new addition to the family and has to kill them before the sun comes up the next day. The so it's kind of, yeah, it was kind of like this, um, like edgy, sometimes, um, sometimes really brutal thriller in, and the reason it reminds me of Knives Out is because it's got this like rich magnate family. Um, so and pretty it's much like in one in, setting. Yeah, exactly. Kind of all done in this big mansion. Um minus kind of the detective work of Daniel Craig's mm-hmm. uh you know, in a southern drawl character., uh, but I thought it was really interesting and kind of kind of it's like it's like two stories about people getting one over on rich people and kind of like exploring the themes of like um income inequality and just like um, rich people's like perception of the lower class and things like that. so that one was really like a really interesting watch on the plane and one that kind of flew on my radar last year.
1: Yeah, I'm going to... Um, I'll be on a plane in two weeks so I'll see if I can squeeze in a movie. Um, you kind of... Airplanes sometimes have like these hidden gems, it seems like. Um, I actually watched Kong Skull Island. I think that was the last movie I saw on a plane. And I I actually I, enjoyed that one. Yeah, and that took me back. And I was like, wow. This is actually pretty good. I never would have watched it if I didn't have this five-hour flight to seattle wherever i was going where you're like captive and not able to do anything else i was like stuck on this island and like this gorilla was chasing me which was (laughs) the the little kid kicking my seat behind me yeah uh
0: but anyway, so yeah i know um so you've seen the gentleman i'm gonna be seeing that this weekend so we'll be talking about that on the next show Yep. Um, that one should be a lot of fun because we're both big Guy Ritchie fans, big fans of Snatch, Lockstock, Two Smoking Barrels, uh, even the Sherlock Holmes series I, I really enjoyed. So that'll be a fun one. Even, um, even before we close the show, it's
1: in it is really great just to throw that in there.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's super, super big cast. So, um, we'll definitely get in depth on that one, um, this coming week. Uh, but before we close out the show I think we have one brief piece of listener mail uh, if I'm not mistaken
1: yeah so this one comes from Eric and Eric messages us and he says hey guys you can create one daytime talk show hosted by any person or any group of people it will air immediately after the view and be seen by millions of people who are you putting in the host chairs and what are they doing uh, he mentions that he'd, he would skip work once in a while to stay home and watch a chat show starring the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Wu-Tang Clan, I could get behind that.
0: Yeah, so um, would I. Who wouldn't? Okay, so that's listener mail. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, to me, like, this is actually a question I've been prepared for for a while because I tell this to pretty much anybody who will listen – but I need a talk show starring Rob Gronkowski. Uh, Now for people who might not be like big sports fans, you probably still understand the like little puppy demeanor that is Rob Gronkowski and how just like, he just like oozes with like charisma and just like happiness and enthusiasm. Um, And you know, that was even just during his playing days We've obviously seen him in, like, the WWE um, putting on a show there. Um, he even took a, a go at commentating, I think, during the playoffs at one point, and he absolutely killed that. Um, so I would, I would pay money to watch a talk show with Rob Gronkowski. Wow. So I think that would be my pick. In terms of what he'd be doing, um, I think it would be as wildly unpredictable as Gronk is. I'm sure it would involve, like, Crushing cans of beer over his head at some point. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, but I, I just think it would be like a really genuine and fun show if Rob Gankowski was hosted a talk show.
1: Nice. Yeah. I think, I think a light chat show, um, is always good. Um, with, so would you have Rob like interviewing other celebrities or would it be, um, Like, what type of talk show would it be? Yeah, I think so. I mean, just interviewing athletes?
0: I think the the really good talk shows have some variety. Mm -hmm. Um, So celebrities would be cool. I know he's wanting to get into acting, so I think there's some kind of crossover there. Um, But as a sports fan, I think it would be cool to interview athletes because I've always loved the content where you really get um, some, like, really cool behind-the-scenes stories about, like, what was happening before... A, like a famous game or like a game that Gronk had like three touchdowns or you know like the, the kind of human stories behind the athletes mm-hmm. um so I think that would be
1: cool nice for me um this is a harder question I thought it was gonna be <laughs> really um, because there's a lot of people that I enjoy um listening to if they have interviews and mm. um but it's tough. I I think like I said it doesn't ha- have to be it has to be more of like maybe like the Ellen show kind of style. Yeah. Um there's a little bit like games in there, um casual conversation, nothing too serious. I I watch some Jimmy Kimmel and some uh Jimmy Fallon and I've kind of gotten away from their kind of structure where um it's more it's just kind of like conversation which i guess is what people like they like the conversation but like you said variety is super important into having a talk show um so do you have like an like an individual or like a panel so i i originally thought i was gonna go with a group of people yeah um and who that group of people I, i haven't decided um but I think it would be kind of cool to be opposite. So we have one host and then we have a group of interviewees. So not that Mm -hmm. one-on-one action, kind of bringing in maybe two or three people and kind of just having more of like a round table discussion. Yeah. So pretty informal. Um, So someone who I really enjoy Listening to is is definitely Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the gentleman, um, for some reason he like be on TV or he like even in the movies or in an interview he'd be talking. And I'm just like drawn in with his southern like slow speech mm-hmm. that he has. So I think if he could host and he's funny, so I think if he could host just an afternoon show or whatever where he interviews just a bunch of random people sure then I think that'd be pretty cool
0: you know another thing you got me thinking when you were mentioning Matthew McConaughey and how you kind of just get drawn in I've always found that to be the case with a lot of the cast of like the Avengers Um, like the interviews that I've I've heard Robert Downey Jr. doing I've always been kind of enamored and just kind of you know take the time to listen and I think he puts together some pretty cohesive thoughts. Um, But same with like Chris Evans, Mm -hmm. um, Scarlett Johansson, Mark Ruffalo even, who is, believe it or not, an alumni and former wrestler at our old high school, first colonial, which I think is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's a lot of like really well-spoken people in that cast. um, And I think it would make for some interesting panel discussions, having those
1: guys kind of moderating. Just having the Avengers interview people <laughs> in costume <laughs> mm-hmm. in costume. <laughs> funny. Yeah. But yeah, so I think that's going to wrap up our show for this week. Um, again, keep sending in the listener mail. It's definitely fun to kind of go into these, these questions. You can do that on Twitter at coast podcast, or you can message us either through text or there's a voice message option on anchor i think that would be cool if you wanted to be brave enough you can actually speak your question to us or whatever you wanted to say and we can actually play it live on the show for you and respond that way so yeah that's a new feature that anchor has um they do a great job of actually supporting and and hosting our show but again you can find us on apple music spotify google play stitcher radio wherever, wherever you listen to podcasts we're there and so with that, we will talk at you next week. All right,
0: bye.